Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Footwork is brought to you by... The Talent Project is America's bridge to Europe for the elite few, providing opportunities for young American players that they can't get in the United States. We're looking for a few good men. Visit us at www.talentproject.com and see if you qualify. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Jose Cidusioni is a professional footballer currently playing for Bregantinos FC in Spain. His career has taken him to four different countries, Spain, U.S., Iceland, Canada, scoring 54 goals and 10 assists in 194 games. After an early hurdle with Houston Dynamo at the beginning of his career, Sito went on to play in Iceland with three separate clubs in two divisions across six seasons. In between these seasons in Iceland, he also spent time in the USL Championship in the U.S. with Ottawa Fury and in USL League One with Chattanooga Red Wolves SC. Sito's ability to adapt and take the next opportunity, wherever that may be, is a blueprint for young ballers. This is The Long Run with Jose Sito Sioni. So, Sito Sioni, welcome to Footwork. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you guys for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to to tell a, a little bit more about my adventure over the past decade. And yeah, thank you for having me. So we always start out with the motto here, which is make your own path. And for someone who, I guess, didn't seem afraid to pack up and travel, you know, the world for opportunities, wherever it may be. What does that mean to you? What does making your own path mean to you? I mean, I've always been honest with myself and I know if you want to get something, you need to work hard for it, whether it comes or not. At least if the chance comes, at least you're ready for it. And for me, it's always been it's been ready, working hard, uh, dedication, knowing that you need to make sacrifices along the way, which for me, I've been abroad. I left Spain in 2011, so it's been it's been 12 years, so there's a lot of things that, that you leave behind, your family, your friends. And, but on the good side, I've been following my, my dream, which is uh, being a professional football player. And, and it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a rewarding journey, for sure. For sure. And that journey has taken you 11 years outside of Spain and back and into different countries. But before we get deeper into those topics, can you tell us who are you, where were you, and where are you going? I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I like to say I'm the same. I'm the same kid who who had the same dream of of, of making football my 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 job for like the the years that I could last. And I've always worked hard, and whether you come short or or not, or whether you make it into one team or not, whether you you get one opportunity or not. My mentality hasn't hasn't changed. The same kid that left Spain when I was 21, it's always been, I know what it takes to, to make it. Of course, there's a part that we call it luck, but you make your own luck at the end of the day. You know, you need to you need to work hard. Sometimes chances come, sometimes they don't. But for me, what it's always been kind of one of the regrets that I've had over the years is like when a chance comes or an opportunity comes and, and you're not ready. That that's something that I cannot do. And and it's something that it's hard to live with that. Harder to live with that than working hard and maybe the chance or the opportunity doesn't come. Yeah. So the same person. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Where were you? A little bit about I guess, you know, just to kind of, like Sean said, we'll, we'll go deeper into, but, you know, the transfer marked version of, of your journey. Where, where were you? I mean, I think, um, obviously, when you're younger and, and all that, you make mistakes, you know, like I've always been a really intense player. And if you want to say it, sometimes my, my head has gotten the, the best of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. And I think the first few years, I knew I needed to work hard. I knew I needed to make sacrifices. But my head sometimes, which it's something that some coaches and some teams brought me to their teams because it's someone that really brings intensity, really cares and all that. 
And I think that's something that kind of defined me in the in the first four or five years of my career. You know, then mm -hmm. over the years, you learn that sometimes you need to, sometimes no, most of the time you need to control yourself. You need to think twice. And, and then maybe you want to make a decision in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Then you go home, time passes, a few hours passes, and, and you see it totally different. So I think that's something that, has I've, I've gotten a long way with that mm -hmm. and, and i think that's that's something that kind of defined me in my first few years you know some coaches loved it but some others and didn't really agree with that so it's it was a lesson yeah completely understand and then the third part of it i guess where are you going just in terms of i mean these mindsets to these answers where is the mindset changed into you know how you approach these latter years of your career I mean, I think uh, the best way to put it is uh, now I know that in order to to get the best or to get the best opportunity as a player, you need to fit within the team. You know, the first few years, uh, you're always kind of selfish. You're looking always for yourself. Now, I think the way I'm going, it's more like, okay, I need to really support the team. I, 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 and it's hard. I'm saying this, but it's it's hard at the same time if you're not playing. So I'm trying to be that type of player that it's always there, uh, increasing the tempo, whether I play more or less. Or it, I think that's the that's the step, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that you learn every day, you know, because on the good days we're all good, you know. Everyone knows how to run, everyone knows how to play, but how do you deal with the bad days? That's something that I'm. Constantly learning, and it's uh, and it's, and I hope it continues like that because that keeps me uh, that keeps me hungry. And let's start with the now. You're back in Spain in your home country, and I know you've been training with some teams to to stay fit and stay prepared, like you said, to not have that regret that you weren't ready. Um, but how does it feel to be back in Spain, and why did it feel like it was the right time to go back to Spain? I mean, it. I've always had uh, opportunities to come back. You know, to yeah, be forty used to be called the second B League, which is the third tier, and now it's called First Federation or Second Federation, which is kind of similar. And I've always had opportunities to come back. I've always had in the back of my mind, like, what if I give it a, an extra month or two months and delay the offers that I have from uh, USL or from uh, top league in, in Iceland or, or second league? So this time I, I decided myself and I, and I was like, you know, I'm going to give it until end of January, mid-February, to see if a good opportunity really comes and and kind of see myself, you know. And I've been training with, with a team here in, in one of these two leagues that I mentioned before. Uh, I see myself that I bring good things to the team, that I could increase a little bit the, the what they already have, you know. It's, mm -hmm. And... And that's something that over the years playing professionally has taught me, you know, you need to be 100% committed. And to be honest, I wanted to wait a little longer, wait for one of these opportunities. Of course, then in terms of contracts and all that, it needs to make sense. I'm not, I don't want to sound like, oh, I really want to play home for like one fourth of what I could be making elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But but if it makes sense, I'll, I'm sure a good opportunity will pan out yeah it seems like i guess along the career there's been a little bit more patience learning the patience of, of taking the right opportunities and maybe not regretting those so i mean we talked about regret or you talked about regret already in the aspect of not being ready for an opportunity but have you ever regretted taking an opportunity whether it be you know for the wrong reasons or something like that no to be honest, uh, I always I always say no because in the moment it seemed to me like a great opportunity. Mm. Whether if uh, then it didn't go as I planned, or I didn't play as much as I thought, or I didn't get the opportunities that I thought I should have had. Uh, when when you're making a decision, at least in my case, I always make it with one hundred and fifty percent committed to it. Sometimes, I mean, this is like life. It's not only in, in, in football. It's in any job or in any relationship. If you go with, with your heart, you, you go with the best intentions, working hard and, and being humble and, and trying to be the best you can be to 
get the best uh, outcome out of it. That's why I, I say no regrets because sometimes it's gone well, sometimes it's, it hasn't gone as well as I thought. Mm-hmm. But in the moment when I made a decision, I I'm always I'm always being firm. So I hope that answers <laughs> your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork is now live. Check out all Footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos. The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests. Game Time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro? Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything. And of course, the Footwork Shop. We got some of the best merch around, as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at footwork.club. And and how would you describe your game and your style? Because many players are often great for a certain type of football in a specific country, but you've been successful all over the map. Why do you think that is? I think it's uh, I have a I have something that uh, when I started my my youth career and everything, I used to be a left back. And then for some reasons, we had a really good left back that he, he was in the national team. So the coach told me, like, it's going to be a hard competition. What if you play left wing? And little by little, I've been adapting to different positions, different roles. And even to this day, I'm, I'm about to be 34 and I could play many positions in the attack, mainly I like number nine these days, but I think the the best way to put it is work hard, do what the team needs you doing, and always being adapted and learning. Mm-hmm. Every day has been a lesson for me. Like uh, sometimes, okay, I want to play number nine, but if a team comes here and offers me a contract and be like, look, but I like you as a winger, no problem. Mm-hmm. I'm the type that I put the that I'll believe in my head, I'm going to be the best winger you could get in the, and I'll prepare for it. Of course, like one thing is wanting to do something another is expecting that it's going to happen without any work or without any commitment. Mm. But I think that's the, yeah, I think that's the main. Do you think, um, you know, this adaptive quality and this, this mindset that you're going to learn no matter where you are, no matter the age being, you know, 33 now, like, do you feel like this has led to that longevity in your career to be still so successful playing and when, you know, some guys may have, you know, kind of wavered off or, or lost the love and hunger for the game? Yeah, most definitely. <clears throat> most definitely because I, I play with really good players that had better conditions than me, better technique, better qualities, you know. But at the end of the day, you need to be adaptive, especially in the football that – we're getting into these days, you know, like mm-hmm. really physical and everything. Preparation is everything. Of course, like <laughs> you need to be able to to run. You need to be able to do all the hard trainings that yeah. football is it's, it's it's right now. And I will say, like being adaptive and working hard. And then whenever it's time for me to hang the boots, I'll have no problem. Mm-hmm. But even to this day, like we always track and monitor everything, and I think in terms of speed and everything, I'm I'm still like uh, not long from the metrics that I used to have at 27, 28, which mm-hmm. is something that tells me okay, I need to continue down this path mm-hmm. in terms of taking care of my body and and, and learning the game. Yeah. For for that, do you have any secrets to share with us in terms of, uh, you know, keeping at this high level, keeping your body intact, you know, the, the extra things before or after training, um, you know, dealing with injuries, like stuff like that. Um, you got any special secrets for us? No, I mean, to be honest, uh, a lot of strength, strength, because in my younger years, we there was not much of it in football. Mm-hmm. I would say strength. And then find someone which I'm really lucky to have a, a really good friend who is a strength and conditioning and also a physical therapist. And find someone that will guide you along the way. Because uh, doing it alone, yeah, it, it could get you so far, but uh, you need to surround yourself with and always learn. Mm. And 
And I'll say that, and then I always joke with this, have some beetroot juice before every training and every game. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You heard it here, you heard it here <laughs> first. Yeah. Beetroot juice before, before training, love that. <laughs> so like we've said, we'll jump around a bit because you really have been all over the map, but I guess there is just, there, there's one decision that sticks out because it kind of really changes the path from where you were and... I'm sure you'd be a pro no matter what, but this route really was the specific choice that led you to the USA. So can mm. you take us through your memory of this decision, I guess, from the opportunity, what it looked like to you, to your fears, and to that transition period with the Aztecs? I mean, it was a, it was a great opportunity when, when he came. And, and, and of course, here in Spain, I, I was coming out of my best season so far in Spain. And it was my breakthrough season, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Then the opportunity came. Uh, me and some players from the state, we went to Madrid, and we played there in a combine. And it was when the when the opportunity came up. And of course, there's there's always a bit of a bit of fear, you know. Uh, when you jump into the unknown, it's 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 part of the brain and and in humans. But to be honest, and. I, I had six hundred uh, euros in my in my bank account at the time. I just said, like, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. What what worse could it be? You know, I'm gonna go for it, and I've been getting ready for this opportunity. I wish it would have come in Spain at the time. I really wish, but maybe the opportunity would have come in Spain. We wouldn't be here now mm -hmm. talking about it. You know. Mm -hmm. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity and. And I was at the moment, even though, of course, like it's always that unknown part that that makes you like uh, maybe not sleep at, at night. If you... mm. And even to this day, I have, I have, and and that's that what that tells me that okay, I'm, I still have it. I'm I'm still committed to to keeping the game. Yeah. And can you that dive deeper into what the opportunity was to give some insight to our listeners? <clears throat> So basically, uh, in the combine, we we had access to to colleges and to and to junior colleges and D one schools and all that. Uh, once a junior college got really interested, it was in Houston, and and then they had a connection with the Aztecs, and at the time it was uh, Paul Dalglish. He was the coach of the Aztecs. So. Kind of the, the opportunity for me to go there, it was because uh, through San Jacinto College, I could play their their, C, uh, their co uh, junior college season and they would allow me to play with the Aztecs. And it, it was kind of like a package deal that came together. And for me, it was a no-brainer because uh, San Jacinto College, the other months that the season was not happening in the USL with the Aztecs, I could go to uh, to the school and learn English. At the time, I didn't know English, mm -hmm. so for me, it was like you know what? It's I could get the best of what I always wanted, which is form myself and keep educating myself in terms of learning a language and going to college and playing at a pro level, which for me was a no-brainer. We had really, really good team at the time there, and six or seven players got to the MLS and it, it was, we won the whole thing against the Canadian team. And it was, it was a great opportunity to be honest. And, and it was probably my best place that, I, that I've always been and that I've lived. And it was kind of like that. It came everything together in a package that for me was like, okay, it is unknown, but when you get two birds killed with one bullet, it's like, you need to go, you need yeah. to do it. Mm -hmm. But that that was kind of the that was the thing. And what do you feel like the biggest challenge was during this time? You, know, you mean over the years in the US, the first few years, or or just just moment? right when yeah, at that moment when you went to that at that US moment first. I think the fact that I didn't have any money, I think um, because I've always been the type that. Uh, even if my family could afford to give me money or something, I've never wanted it. I've always been like, it has to be me. I cannot be relying on 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 anyone or on people. And and I was making enough money here to 
not to say much, but I was playing here in the in the fourth year and fifth year, and I think the biggest challenge was that. But of course, you know, you go to the college, you qualify for this, they give you money for that, then you go to the Aztecs, they give you money for playing. So it it, it was tough because you go to a new country and and in a country that doesn't matter what you do, everything costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of money in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. you go get a phone and it's like, it's not like here in Spain. You get a phone and your plan costs 15 euros, 20 euros. Yeah. You go to the U.S., no, you need to have a bank account. You need to do that. And then they say $80 and it comes to 140 And it was that. Yeah. To be honest, that was the, the biggest challenge. Not playing football because when, when the ball starts rolling, then you you just lose yourself a bit and, and play. And how do you feel like you grew in this time, I guess, from from coming into the U.S. and learning the language, learning the U.S. style of the game, which I'm sure was quite different in terms of technical. It's it's a lot less technical, I would say, than Spain, obviously. So how did you kind of adapt and grow on and off the field in this time? I mean, I think the biggest thing was the 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 fitness preparation, the fitness yeah. preparation and the strength and everything. It was it was something that I never, I never, I had never experienced until that moment, and I was in a good age to be able to handle it. So my body kind of took two or three steps in terms of uh, fitness level and explosiveness and power. So it helped me. It helped me. I think the transition, doing all that, it kind of put my body and my conditions to a level that allowed me over the past. 10, 12 years to to stay in the game. I think that was the that was the thing. And where does the Houston Dynamo come into the picture? When and how? <laughs> so we win the we won the whole thing with Austin. Mm-hmm. And Paul Dalglish, uh, he was a former player of Houston Dynamo. He had good friends with uh, Dominique Kenier. He was the coach at the time. He won the, the title two times, I think, with under him. And uh, it was good with the. I had a good season with Austin, and then I went to junior college and uh, to San Jack because I needed to finish the um, the college uh, season. I had a, probably until the moment one of the best uh, careers. You know, you come from the Aztecs, you go to play junior college, and it was younger players than me. And I scored like thirty plus goals and everything. Mm. And then Paul told me like, look, they've been they put a discovery claim on you, you know, Houston, because Sanjay was in Houston. They put a discovery claim, so you're going to go and do the preseason with them. At the time, I didn't know what was this discovery thing that then it kind of bite me in the in the ass. <laughs> and and I was like, you know what, like, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to go. And, and, you know, when you go as a sophomore at the time, uh, they, they could pay your studies if, if you're American because I had the, the passport and everything. And and they came. I was with them for close to three months. Uh, I think it was a week before the first game. They signed uh, the Marcus Beasley, the left back, left winger of the U.S. national team. Yeah. And they had to get rid of uh, rid of few players, you know. And and at the time, if uh, when I had the pre-agreement and pre-contract with them. They put you on the lowest salary they could have you. And they wanted to send me to Pittsburgh, which was the their champ, USL championship uh, affiliate at the time. Mm-hmm. But I said to them, look, it's either I play MLS or I go back to school because I have opportunities in, in, in Europe mm-hmm. to play professional. So for me, it makes no sense to go play USL. At the time, it, it didn't seem like a good opportunity and I was not convinced of it so they came in there it was a great experience playing against, I even played against Thierry Henry uh, it, it was a great really good experience you know again Lewandowski I scored a few goals I think I scored three goals in seven games or six games with them which at the time I was thinking okay I think they, I yeah, think yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay here yeah, no. it's a don't deal the agent had the, the, the contract draw the pre-contract and everything I signed it and everything and then uh, going back to the discovery claim, San Jose made a bid to to my agent to sign me. 
I had a pre-season friendly against them. It was I had a really good performance. It was only 60 minutes, but the the coach saw something that he needed, and then they couldn't get me because I had the discovery claim rights, and they had the right to give me a pre-contract until certain date, and break it when they whenever they wanted. So, but even with that sub part there like it was a great experience playing with really good players even two former teammates of Houston played the World Cup yeah. I think Brad Davis and uh, Clark yeah. a midfielder yeah. Yeah. And, ah, and also the Honduran players uh, Bonnie and Garcia and all that they also played that World Cup so it, it was a great experience and, and then I thought I was a bit technical and, and intense but it, it, they were they were too <laughs> yeah. And what is the discovery claim? We've never spoken about it on the podcast before. So the discovery claim rights means that uh, a team could, if let's say Houston uh, controls all the area in terms of youth or junior colleges and all that, they could put a discovery claim rights on a player that is maybe excelling or performing at a higher level. They only could do that if the player is not registered to be in a combine or an MLS draft or all that, which I was not. So <clears throat> I found out this through my agent and and apparently it's happened to many, many other players. It's basically, you either sign with me if I want to, with me or with my affiliate, or if not, they're going to have to pay, they're going to have to do that or this and and it makes things difficult, you know, with teams like when you have all this. I think this is something that I don't know if to this day it still exists, but it's something that should be should be eradicated. If a player gets a good opportunity, especially a player like I was in that situation, let the player accept it or decide yeah. or make an offer guaranteed that you're going to give me the rest of the yeah. year with you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like. NASL back in the day that they could break a contract with any player at any moment. Yeah. Insane. That, that's not that's yeah, that's insane. No? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's just it's crazy because I do think it, it exists. Uh I'm not sure if it exists on the same exact level as it did back then, but I mean it really takes power away from the player and to not have any guarantee in it is just it's my it to me it's mind blowing that that can exist like how that is not just seen as like illegal to me is very very strange I think it's uh like I said it shouldn't exist because then you're limiting the player to one coach to one sports director to one system when that player mm-hmm. maybe in the other 20 plus organizations that there's in the MLS they could maybe there's another organization that could really use that player, and a lot of players have gone, uh, have, have, have lost in this, uh, yeah. in this system, and yeah. it's it's sad. It's sad. Agreed. Yeah, it is, and I mean, it's crazy too that you you performed well with them, and yet they still got rid of you because you were the lowest paid player, and they're making room for a national team player, and ultimately, yeah. it's totally outside of your control. How did you how mm-hmm. did you handle that? And did you have that mindset of it's outside of my control? I, I, I can't do anything about it. I mean, I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> I mean, I was I was I was not sad because in my head I was thinking, then I played seven games with them. I scored three goals, you know, playing winger or in midfielder at the time, because they didn't play with the number 10. Uh, I was like, I could play with these guys. You know, then they're offering me this. They put in this discovery claim thing. In my head, I was thinking like, you know what? It's sad, but I was more with uh, rage. You know, like yeah. more mm-hmm. like them. Like how how could you do this? You know, like this is the difference of me making my my debut in the MLS or not making it at all. And what if I didn't? If I wasn't European and I couldn't come to these opportunities that came in Europe? Because a lot of teams wouldn't take an American player. Yeah. Just mainly because you need to give them work permit and this and that and visas and all, all this uh, politics. <laughs> and what if I was not? Like, I, I was, in some sense, I was lucky that I was European and I could always go to Europe. Mm-hmm. But 
I've heard of some players that they have done it and maybe they played a few years in the USL. And, but they, they, for me, it's mind-blowing that something like this yeah. is a team that is worth millions of dollars. Yeah. Give them the right to affect one player that at the time the minimum wage was $42,000. Yeah. Or 40 something. I'm what yeah. like the, the scale doesn't make sense. No. And possibly affecting a young player's entire future. I mean, for that mm-hmm. alone, regardless of the money standpoint, is is another thing that's wild. And I guess to kind of to to hop on on the back of that other question, just how you speak about your time in, in the USA. And of course, the contract may have not worked out, but there was the degree, there was the experiences, I'm sure, you know, a lot of priceless experiences so when you look back at this time you feel like it happened for a reason and if so what was the reason most definitely i think the main reason is i got to finish my bachelor's i kept on studying my master's now i I, i've done another master this wouldn't happen if this opportunity would have uh, if i would have joined mls at that time i don't think I, i would be here saying that i've graduated from from university and post university, yeah, and which now it's it's a really good thing because mm-hmm. for what's next when I stop playing in one, two, three, four years, whatever it is, I'm prepared for what's coming. Yeah, and I think I think on the longer run, I think I've I've done better than I maybe could have done because what if you would have gone there and things didn't go well, but at the same time, what if you would have gone there and you would have killed it? Yeah. But I think I've I think I've won overall. Yeah. And, and I mean, you just handle it the way you could in the way yeah. a lot of things that you couldn't control, like we talked about. Exactly. And exactly. another thing, I mean, we really admire about you is that you take these opportunities and the ones that you know will benefit you, the ones that you know will be promising for your growth as a person, as a player, and not just necessarily taking the first option like you could have with you know went to the usl affiliate and you know who knows what that how that could have impacted your future instead trying to get into europe into the top leagues and you know it could have been easy to 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 stay and try and find things in the u.s or go back home to spain that could have been a little bit more comfortable too but you know you decided to have another adventure and you tried denmark so a second league team at the time which also didn't work out either. You know, you mm-hmm. hop over to Iceland in that in that regard. But where did this all come from? And to you, did it necessarily matter where or more just that it was the right opportunity and that you could live off it and continue your growth as a player and a person? For me, more like that. You know, I, I wanted the opportunity. I knew which markets would benefit my style. And at the time, it was Denmark. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was a great experience. You know, you go there and then you realize once you're there, the reason why you're there is because the team have gone with bankruptcy problems and they have no money and they sign you, but they maybe are going to be late a couple of months when there was three months only left of season. And for me, there was a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And But like I said, another great opportunity. I saw myself there. I once again, I saw that I could play at this level and with these guys. And then the opportunity came in Iceland. They had me the, the day after they called me. Hey, we we could pay you the same. They, they agreed to pay you there. If you just hop on a plane and come join us and because they're bankrupt and they, they haven't paid their players over 60 days, which is 60. Yeah. I think at the time it was like, if you don't play pay your players over two months, then all the players become eligible to or free to go. Yeah, they still have that rule. Yeah. <clears throat> they still have that rule. So we, we saw a loophole there. And when I went to Ireland, I took a plane. It was the smallest plane. I was scared to death. Going to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Just turbulence everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, at the time, the team was called Skive, but I was, um, I was with a former coach in, uh, in Alborg, which is in the north. That plane was like a 12 people plane. And I was like, oh God. and then then somehow you go on your phone and you check like Iceland and you see, oh, these weather, it's storms and this and that. And I'm like, 
how are we gonna make it in this? <laughs> oh my god. To this day, I'm, I'm not great with flying. Yeah. <laughs> but and I've been in, in in hundreds of flights, but yeah, that day I was like, and then arriving there and this is something typical in Iceland. Like the same day you arrive, they don't care if you traveled or anything. You're training today. Right into it, huh? Right into it. And no sleep and anything. And I'm like, oh, you know what? You want me to go into it? I'll go into it. I'll, I'll <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I was thinking, it was like turbulence, turbulence. The pilot talked. Talk <laughs> oh, what a day. What a <laughs> day. What a day is right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was Iceland ever on the map for you as a place, a potential place to play? Not before it came, uh, to be honest. I gotta, I've, I've always been honest with this. Not before the opportunity came, I, I would have thought of Iceland. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as a player, you always think I didn't even know at the time like that there was a really strong league the, yeah. the, the first year, and thank God I I did it. I've got great experiences there. I've played I think over five years over the past ten, and amazing experience. Great country, great people. Yeah, uh, I've played some good football, some bad football, <laughs> but. <laughs> But definitely a really, really good experience, and yeah. and I can see that that I, that I have a really good uh, memories. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It seems it seems. I mean, a place that really holds a you know a special place in your heart. You played for three different clubs, in two different divisions. I guess what surprised you the most from your time there? The best moment, you mean? Like what surprised you the most, you know, ah, like from surprised. maybe yeah. expectations. And I know you didn't go in with many expectations, but just from the first days to, you know, you came back a few different times to Iceland. So mm-hmm. like it could be I, memories, it could be yeah. culture shocks, you know, what were some of the I, biggest surprises? I think the physicality. Okay. And the physicality and the strong mind these, these guys have over there. The right mentality. The right. They are like they're not breakable. We we uh, played games on minus twelve. Like I w- I didn't feel my toes. I, I was thinking that I was playing with a shoe that it was a side thirty. <laughs> and these guys, they don't let anything anything affect them. And for me, that's something that I gain being there. Okay. As well. mm-hmm. Not to their level because that's. <laughs> That's really hard to get, but that's boring. That's boring. That's, that's genetic. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> but their mentality, their physicality, their work ethic, mm. they're literally monsters. Oh, like, I love that. And no wonder why they do so well in, in football. They've been getting a lot of players in top leagues, handball. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's the mentality. Yeah. It's the mentality such a small population too. And like you said, mm-hmm. to have the success in, in that level, do you feel like mm-hmm. there was no room for excuses in this kind of soccer culture, this football culture? Like it didn't matter if you were playing in minus 12 or what was happening. It was, it was keep going forward. Yeah. I mean, you just said, I think the moment that you create doubt in your mind or you create an excuse, you're going to see that you're going two steps behind them. Mm. And and this it it has nothing to do with uh, being more technical or being better at football. When you're playing with heavy rain or, or snow or something, if your head is not there and your mentality is not as close as as theirs, they, they will eat you. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of your best memories from your time there? I think. Uh, Two years ago, promotion, uh, promoting with uh, uh, IBB. It was my first team there as well. The first year with them was good because when I got there, the team had five points. It was last and, and we managed to to save the team. But I think promoting, it was it was a great, uh, a great achievement. You know, we didn't have, in my eyes and, and, and everything, we didn't have the best squad. And all that summer, it was like uh, we call it. They, they call it summer the league, but it's six months. It was, it was m- good memory after good memory. Even the hard times, and when we get a lot of setbacks or hard moments or a little injury here or something, the way to react to this, it was, 
it was because we were winning. Yeah. And, and we were we were on our way to be back in the top league, which was the main reason why I joined them when after they fall down. But I, I will say that whole summer because it was it was the, the best example of how you need to react to any difficulty. Mm. And and for me, good memories is not just scoring a goal or or win a game. For me, a good moment that I like to savor more is after a tough time or a hard time, how you come back or how you top it out. And that year it was like that. Yeah. I love that. It's not necessarily about just one event, but it's the mentality that brought you there. It's the process that brought you there from Mm -hmm. a tough, a really tough time um, being that low to, to, you know, being able to be promoted or, or anything in that regard. So to take it off of the football field though, I mean, that is a, very different in terms of culture, in terms of food, in terms of weather, like we said. I mean, what was another like big culture shock for you being there? I, th- I would say the daily activities. Like, uh, for example, I was used to like uh, being in Spain or in America. You go for coffee with teammates or friends. Uh, you go to parks. You, you do more recreational activities. Okay. You know, that, that helps you a lot mm-hmm. because you need to have your mind off of mm-hmm. the game. And in Iceland, because of maybe weather, mainly weather, <laughs> <laughs> and, also, and also in their culture, it's not uh, the time that they're not training or they're not doing anything related to the game. They're working or they're doing other things, which, again, is their mentality. Yeah. And... And for me, I think I would say the daily basis. Okay. But I've, I've never had a hard time staying home the whole mm-hmm. day because it's what I need in order to rest and to recover mm-hmm. faster for training tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a cultural shock because I like to, like now, after we finish, I'm going to go with some friends to a coffee shop. We're going to talk about the Real Madrid game and Atletico game last night. and Crazy game. Doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy game. <laughs> Doing these little things, it's something that I didn't have there. Yeah. And another special place in your heart is obviously the U.S. You were born in Miami. You studied there, which you already told us the story in Texas. And then you traveled back and played in the USL Championship and League One with Ottawa Fury and Chattanooga. Um, At this point, you had a wealth of experience on your back. And you initially, it didn't work out in terms of professional contracts and that... um, little thing with Houston Dynamo obviously wasn't great, but did you, when you came back to the U S uh, were you trying to prove a point that you could play there since the previous time it didn't really work out? Yeah. Most definitely. Came back, came back with a yeah. point to prove. For me, the moment the opportunity came again with Paul Dalglish, he was the coach of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. When the opportunity came, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go for it. I need to, I need this. The same that, uh, that I'm trying to do now here, and maybe join a team here now mm-hmm. is the same. Um, the, it's really similar situations. And I was like, you know what? I know I could play there. I know I could have an impact. I know I could be an important uh, player within the team. So I just went for it. And, and that hungriness, I, even now, like I'm, I'm getting excited about it. You know, like it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it's something that I know why I should still be playing, you know, and it's whether, I mean, it's whether you, sometimes I would say it's whether you have it or not, you know, but this could be trained as well because Mm -hmm. I've gone through periods of my career that you kind of go through the motions, but the feeling when you're this hungry and, and, and and it's eating you inside and you want to prove a point and you want to do everything that you can. It's, that was the, the main reason why, I remember Paul Douglas called me on a Thursday. On Friday, he sent me the contract. We reviewed it uh, with my agent at the time. And, and I was there. <laughs> Hopefully a better flight that time, huh? Oh, no. I had five experiences <laughs> to Ottawa as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this 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 is the game, though. This is how it goes. Yeah. But just before we go on to this, this, this Ottawa time, um, you mentioned just going through these periods sometimes in your career where it can feel like you're, you know, going through the motions or you're in a rut. So do you have any like specific tricks that you 
could use, whether, you know, it be in training or, or mindset wise away from the field to kind of trick yourself or, or get yourself back in that right mentality to, to have the hunger and then to be able to perform the best on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always based it on uh, on my performances. You know, when you see that you're not playing at your best or you're not feeling physically the, the way you know you, you should be or or you're not getting I'm not I'm not saying scoring or not scoring. I'm saying like you're not getting the opportunities that you usually get into. Then you miss them. Mm-hmm. It's like another chance. Yeah. At least you had it. And and when you analyze that, then I'm really I'm really uh, like I really criticize myself sometimes too hard. And I analyze everything and another thing that it it works really well, but sometimes it works against you, you know? Yeah. But when you have all this data, there's some points that I'm always going back and see, okay, I did this, I did that. And maybe, okay, I'm in the right uh, route. I'm, I'm doing things the, the right way. And when you're having those moments that you're not, then you need to, you need to adapt. You need to change because uh, it's like insanity. You cannot keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different yeah. results. So I, I look into a little bit what I've been doing, how I've been doing, and then back around. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, another thing to, to, to add to this topic is, I mean, you can find these times where you may not be playing, whether it's the coach's decision, things like this. So how have you throughout your career kind of adapted to this relationship with coaches? Because in one area you're giving them your trust as a player you know you're you're giving them them trust to give all of you and training all of you in the games but you know you also have to kind of keep that distance because they may make decisions that you disagree with and that could hurt you and you know can hurt your mentally or your confidence and what has kind of your process been like that throughout the years what are some of the things that you kind of have learned to deal with this for me it's always been like if i'm playing you're happy yeah you don't think about this but if you're mm-hmm. not playing, I'm going every day to training to prove you wrong. I'm going to be there and I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, I should be playing, you know? And and I, I've always seen it like that. You know, I've always... I've never liked to be really close to the coach, mainly because of yeah. this. And then I'm a really loyal person when it comes to relationships. Like, whether it's friends or family and... and or, or even a girlfriend and everything. And I give everything. But with coaches, I've learned to keep my distance. And if I play, I'm really happy. If I'm not playing, I'm going to prove you in training that you that you you will have a better chance of winning a game if I'm playing. Yeah. And, and that's always kept me on my toes. You know, like, sometimes I see, and you know, I've seen players that they're not playing and they, they don't have the hunger to prove the coach wrong. Or they're happy even not playing, which, of course, you should you should always support the team. You should always uh, be happy when the team wins and everything. But you should be raging inside, trying to be in the eleven. Yeah. At, at least that's how sure. I've always seen it. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. It's always that balance where, like, people ask, when you're on the bench, do you want your team? to lose or win. And I think obviously you should never want your team to lose, but like you said, I think that's a perfect Mm -hmm. statement is like, you should have that fire inside that next time you're going to be in the 11, helping the team win. Mm -hmm. Or even, even if it's not in the 11, the time that you go to the bench, if you come 10 minutes, 12 minutes, run run your socks off, go there and give everything and and, and prove that, that you're there for the team. You know, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, if you do things the other way and you don't work hard and you show an attitude with as, as players, sometimes over the years, some players, we've had that, we have this when we're really young, but you're not, you're not helping your case. Yeah. You know, the best way right. to help your case is like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. I'm going to go there. I don't care if it's 10 minutes, maybe next time it'll be 30. Maybe next time I'm in the 11. And if you give up, and you show bad attitude, you're not going to get back in the team. 
Especially you, made, the, you make his decision easier or her decision right. easier. Exactly. You prove his point. Yeah. If, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well said. I mean, to bring it back to this, to, to these USA opportunities, um, I mean, you kind of mentioned there, like you even had your, your issues in Ottawa, but I also read that you've described this time, especially with Ottawa as one of the most professional of your career in terms of, you know, the plane trips, the stadiums, hotel stays, some really big games that you've played in. So, I mean, how do you look back at this time being that it could be like it was one of the pinnacles in terms of professionality and professionalism, but, you know, you also had to deal with still probably things that were unfavorable out of your control and, and, you know, difficult. Yeah, I mean, you just said it. it was it was a great experience, you know. Even with the good and the bad, I learned a lot. Then, then when the change of coach happened, new coaches come with new ideas, with new players, and the players that have been there for a while, even if they perform well, your situation is is likely to change. That's the nature of the game. But. I had great experiences. It was really, really professional. To be honest, it was even more professional than Houston. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was even more, maybe because we share facilities with the Ottawa Red Blacks, the CFL team. Mm -hmm. We had everything. There was no excuse to lose a home game, if you want to call it, or even an away game. We used to travel even two nights before the game or the night before the game and come back the day after. Sometimes we stay like three days away. And when a team does that, it's giving the player all the tools to, to perform. To perform. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, great experiences. I remember playing against Toronto when that year they won the, the MLS. And I think we had like 15,000, 16,000 at home. And then away was like full stadium. Cincinnati at the time, it was also in the league. When we played there, like I think they had like twenty plus thousand, and it was it was really it was a really nice experience to be honest. And and what about um the the game of football is great because in different countries it's played at such different styles. In Spain, it's very technical, keeping the ball on the ground. The U.S. pretty much the opposite, very athletic, back and forth. Denmark, a bit more tactical and patient. Iceland, also a bit more direct like the U.S. Um, but what is your opinion on these countries and how they view the sports, youth teams, traditions, training, and how there's just their approach in general to football? I mean, I think, uh, I mean, if you analyze each country, the way they're doing, I will always mention like how their national team is doing and, and how the youth is doing. That I think that defines how things are being done at the time mm -hmm. or how things have been done in the past five years. I think U.S., Iceland, Denmark, and Spain, they've done really well within their uh, capacity, like in an international stage uh, level. Spain won everything, and U.S. now you see that they compete with the best national teams in the world. Iceland went to one Euro and one World Cup with a population of 300 and something thousand. Denmark has gone far also in big tournaments. They're doing the right thing and all have a thing in common. They invest in youth. Mm -hmm. I wish they did that more in Spain, mm -hmm. but they, they do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But they're spending a lot of money in youth and because they know. They know in order to have success in the future, you need to work your your youth. And, and then they adapt to what you have. You know, Iceland, they play direct. Why? Because their weather, their fields, uh, the physicality, everyone is like 185 or higher. U.S., I would call it the... English Premier League of America, kind of, you know, like it's yeah. it's kind of the same, same high speed games, high intensity, high pressing teams, a lot of counter attacking and all that. And then Spain and Denmark is really similar. Well, if if you want to call it like technical tactics, uh, the ball always on the grass, and and that means that their system is is working because you have an idea. 
And if your idea is to play direct, I've always had no problems. Okay, we go for it. But you have to be 100% committed to the idea. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's really well said. This may be a difficult question, being like you said that these the these countries all have different styles and and techniques and and I guess avenues for the ways they want to play. But from your experience, how would you rank in terms of competitiveness the levels that you play at? So like first tier in Iceland, where does that rank in terms of like you 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 see? Uh, sorry, USL. Like, do they, do you feel like they're kind of at the same level in terms of competitiveness or from, you know, your, your experience in Spain or, you know, where do they kind of stack up? I mean, it's hard to compare styles within countries, you know, because mm. like I've played against really, like really good players that have played in the top league in Iceland. Like even right now, two players have gone to Orlando. One player has gone to Orlando in the league that I was just playing. There's good players, and and then it depends what type of style you play. If if you want to rank it, it's, it's hard. It's hard, you know. My own experience, the most challenging was definitely MLS, mm-hmm. because you played against players that even if you press in the right time and you go on top of them in the right time, like they they still get out. Yeah. And then, I've had good and hard times in in top league in Iceland, second league in Iceland. And championship league one and spain when i play here in the in the lower leagues or in the youth it's it's hard to compare one country with the others but i think good players in each of these leagues could play in other top leagues or in other with the right mentality with the right opportunity they they could play because you constantly see it you see players yeah. Coming from Iceland to the top league in Norway, the top league in Sweden, or MLS. Uh, same in Spain, like a lot of the Spanish players all over the world. Yeah. And now you're seeing more and more American players in Europe, which for me it's fantastic. Especially in Germany, you see the in Germany is the number Germany and, and US is the number one place for American players, and mainly because of physicality and and they're hard workers. American players that have gone abroad, I've always seen them and, and they're hard workers. And, and that goes a long way. Reflecting on the journey now, what would you say helped you to get to this point? So in other words, why did Sito make it as a pro? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'd say... I've never wanted to come back. Now I want to come back. I'm, I'm 33. I, I've done a lot of things over the years. And now I want to prove a point here. But the first 10 years for me was like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back and be like, I don't have an opportunity abroad. And I kept working and I kept learning. I kept asking agents or asking sport directors, call this team, call these teams. Because sometimes in, 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 in football, like you, you might not come from your best season. But for me, it was always that. I always had that in the back of my head, like, no, it's not time to go back. Mm-hmm. Not with an offer. If I don't have anything, of course, you go back. But even like now, I have offers to go back to, to Iceland and to US, to League One. I gotta say that. But it's like, okay, I know I still have this. And now if I come, it's because my choice, not because I'm forced to to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. We're going to lighten it up a little bit now and go into our fast feet round. Some, you know, some quick fire questions. <laughs> let's, um, get <laughs> let's get to it. Yeah. So favorite player growing up? Bebeto. Wow. Brazilian striker. Yeah. Favorite moment in football? Uh, as a fan, when Deportivo beat Milan in the UEFA Champions League, I think it was okay. in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. we lost 4-1 over there in San Siro, and then we beat them 4-0 here to go to the semifinal against Porto. That was the best. What yeah. about for you and your career? I'd say the goal against Toronto, TFC, okay. in that semifinal of the Canadian Championship. Mm-hmm. That was That was a good moment. What about most difficult moment? 
Of course, injuries are always difficult. Mm-hmm. I I knock on wood. I've been I've Still. been lucky. <laughs> yeah. But on top of that, I'd say I experienced once a relegation with a team. That that was really hard. That was really hard. That was really hard. Yeah. Best advice you ever received? Never too high, never too low. The balance. Love that. Yeah. Favorite place you've lived? I mentioned it before. I'm gonna go with Austin. Okay. Texas. <laughs> Very nice. Best player you've played with and against? With, I'm gonna go with Julian de Guzman. He was a former Bundesliga and La Liga mm-hmm. player. We played together in Ottawa. And against, I'm gonna go with Joe Cole. He was, I always used to pick him in the PlayStation, playing Pro Evolution. <laughs> and then played against him for the, in the warm-up. I was warming up, looking at him like, Jesus. Like, how good this yeah. guy was. Yeah. And, and how yeah. good he still was there. Like, yeah. at 36, I think it was. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't a footballer, what would you be? A businessman. Businessman. I think, yeah, I think it's... It's where I'm headed, maybe after football. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it would have come sooner. <laughs> a lot of a lot of parallels, though. You know, a lot of things exactly. that you learn on this journey that are only going to help in, in that in that scheme. Exactly. Favorite book? It's one that I recently read from one of my good friends, Fernando Maia. It's a Spanish writer. The name of the book is Coast to Coast. He he went to America and he traveled around around the whole country watching the basketball culture like how it's played in uh, in LA how it's played in New York Indiana and all these places and he wrote a book about the experience and it, w- it was a really good uh, book. is it also in English or only in Spanish I gotta confirm it with him I, I was thinking okay. about it but uh, I'll confirm it with you but okay yeah let us know it's that sounds like a just a very interesting topic and I guess mm-hmm. uh to, to have that experience from, from a different culture too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, any quote or mantra that you live by? Here I have two. I, I got to go with two. Love it. One Love is it. like, let your actions speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And one that I, the moment I hear it, it's always stuck to my mind. is like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there's more moments that, you're not going to be in a comfort zone. So the moment you realize that you need to live in those moments more than the happy moments, it's uh, it's something that brings you back to, to keep working. Yeah, exactly. Well said. I not agree more. Yeah. We want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been an incredible discussion. You've had an incredible journey up until this point, and you know, we can't wait to see where it brings you next. So again, thank you so much. And uh, you know we'll be we'll be rooting on and and enjoying the the next years. Yeah, no, thank you very thank you very much, guys, for for having me. It's it's an honor for me to to tell a, a little bit about my crazy journey, mm-hmm. and and I encourage you guys to keep doing this because it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing thing. And like I said, it helps us players in a massive way, in a massive way, and and for that I'm really thankful. Thank you. I mean, appreciate, appreciate you sharing your we'll story. See, we'll see you next year for a part two. I know there's a lot exactly. more stories. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Guys. That's a, that's a lot of wisdom in that episode. Uh, those are one of those where, um, you know, he hits a groove and I forget that I'm running a podcast with you. We and hit, just we hit kind the of groove very in. early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, he, He's super well-spoken first off, and he's very articulative in terms of like bringing that into the way it should be said or until you kind of get this aha moment. And as I lost it a lot of, a a few times, like, Oh wait, we're doing a podcast. I have to like be in this conversation. I'm not just listening. I'm not just listening to this one. Yeah. Um, A few times got caught off guard. It's also so impressive too, that it's his second language. I always find that incredible and try and relate to myself. Incredible. could I speak I could in never German do no. anywhere near that level? And the answer is no. Like, no. That is that is not easy to do. Uh, ones that even speak for an hour with in-depth questions, but then able to really elaborate. And 
yeah, he just oh, uh, completely credit to him on that because that's uh, yeah, big respect for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a credit to him, and you can kind of tell from his journey too. Like the one thing, it doesn't matter what age he is; he's always learning. You know, being thirty three now, he's still trying to learn in these in training sessions and every day. I mean, it's been quite a journey from you know those initial setbacks, and you know that could hamper a player's confidence a lot, you know, especially that early, not getting the opportunity, a lot of things out of your control, but being able to take that in stride, not necessarily taking the next contract just because it was offered, but looking to try and take the next one. He tries to take the next one. Obviously the team's bankrupt. It probably wasn't the right choice, but he didn't know that at the time gets his break in Iceland, you know, and then he makes a name there and he's well known there. He's played for, uh, you know, three different clubs there. He's yep. he's made his mark in Icelandic football. There's no doubt about that. He's made his mark in American football, and you know he's back in in Spain. And we'll see if he if he uh, hangs on there or if he if he takes the opportunities to go in these places where he's made a mark because he has the opportunity to do so now. He's he's done it there. His name's known. Those are opportunities. But for him, it's always about the right opportunity and taking that patience and that time. I think that's a another huge thing. Is not necessarily jumping off, but you know, having the confidence in yourself that you'll get something and it's got to be the right thing or it's got to be, you know, not the perfect opportunity because we say that, especially if you don't have anything. You know, like he said, if he didn't have anything, he'd do this. But he's he's made it so he has these options. And it's been quite the career. And I, I mean, definitely someone yeah. to look up to, still doing it, still looking to play, you know, no signs of slowing down, like he said, taking care of his body, all that good stuff. It's it's that was a really enjoyable episode for me. Yeah, exciting times, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens over the next few months for him, uh, and where he decides to to go next, or whether he does stay in Spain and and continue to to make his name there. Uh, but yeah, brilliant conversation. Brilliant conversation to all of you out there. Keep plugging, keep passing, free support. Make sure that you like us review us subscribe to us on all the channels whatever medium you use um, make sure you hit us with questions in the dms make sure you're reaching out for consultations all that good stuff any free support any interaction connections you know we always we always love to see it so that would mean a lot yeah. so until next time keep moving forward keep learning and make your own path Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed yeah. me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine <laughs>